everywhere those aliens go. <laughs> they leave smooth little pebbles behind. Hello, welcome to Guide to the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And today we are taking them on home. This is the last episode of Cagetober. Yeah. What I, a long, strange trip it's been. Long mm-hmm. is correct. It's also technically long because it was a, a five Friday month. This was, uh, we all, listen, we all know, I don't want to belabor it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cagetober, certainly, <laughs> as, yes. as envisioned, seemed like a fun romp. Yeah. Through campy, kooky Nicolas Cage horror movies. Right. In practice, it felt um, agonizing. Mm. Um, and uh, I don't even know if it was agonizing altogether. <laughs> like, there were spots that were agonizing. I certainly found Vampire's Kiss agonizing. Yes. Um, I don't know if I would say that Willie's Wonderland was ag- agonizing, but I didn't enjoy it. Right. I kind of enjoyed, uh, what's it called, The Wicker Man. Um, overall, I would say tedious. Yeah, okay, tedious. I'll take tedious. For the whole month. But uh, you know what? We stuck it out. Yes. We did it all together. And thank you all for coming on this bizarre October 2021 journey with us. Looks like we made it, gang. It ends now. Right. Evil dies tonight. Evil dies tonight. (laughs) I got old Huckleberry in the back. Yeah. And I'm going to take care of business. Oh, boy. So uh, this week we we did something a little bit different, Mm -hmm. right? So I'll let let down the... uh, the veil of secrecy for a moment. Okay. Originally, Kristen and I had decided that we would both watch the movie Mom and Dad. This is a Nicolas Cage movie from 2017. He and Selma Blair play a mother and father, a married couple, during a time where all of a sudden, inexplicably, no one's sure why, parents have begun murdering their own children. Mm-hmm. The trailer for this screamed camp and comedy yeah. and fun. Yes, it looked like an intentional B-movie. Yes, and then I watched it first and texted Kristen, I don't think you should see this. <laughs> so we pivoted. Right. I still will be talking about mom and dad. Yeah, because he'd already seen it. So. I've already subjected myself to it. So whatever. And Will had suggested that instead, why don't I watch Season of the Witch? And then we kind of, what? I'm going to take issue with that. You said, okay, I'll watch Season of the Witch. Are you sure about that? I'm sure about that. Okay. Are you calling me a liar? (laughs) (laughs) I just thought that that was what happened. But go ahead and look in the Well, because I come to find out you did not watch Season of the Witch. No. I decided to watch the movie Knowing. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) What what do you know? What do you think you know about Knowing? Oh, boy. Oh, this is weird. Hold on. I'm trying to remember. It's like... I feel like I just had a Mandela effect okay. happen to me where I didn't think that... I, I, I forgot that movie existed. Uh-huh. And suddenly I'm having these memories. These flashes. I'm having, like, yeah, weird disjointed memories of him in a an airport or in an airplane. Mm. Maybe reading a notebook that foretells when be- horrific events will happen? Or no, is this where he's able to see, like, five seconds into the future? Real quick. Yeah. Who's the liar now, you little piece <laughs> of dump? <laughs> what did I do? You said maybe you watch Drive Angry or Season of the Witch and we'll each cover one. 
you brought it up. And then I said, okay, I'll watch Season of the Witch. Because ah. I had started to watch Drive Angry. I've scrolled to the exact same moment in uh-huh. our conversation. Yep. You're, you're, you are correct that I said, maybe... That's already. Yeah, but you brought it up. Hold on. I said maybe, which is an uncertain term. It could happen. It might not. You watch Drive Angry or Season of the Witch, mm-hmm. and we'll each cover one. Right. And then you volunteer. Ha ha ha! All right. I'm very curious. I'll watch Season of the Witch. Do I volunteer that out of nowhere, or was it prompted by you? Yeah, I, I put a nugget. Okay. Out there, yeah, you're a nugget, all right. Listen, you certainly. <laughs> I've, I've never seen you turn down a nugget. <laughs> <laughs> Who could? <laughs> Certainly not I. So anyway, I was under the impression they were doing season of the witch, but it's knowing. So no, am I right? Is it about? Is it like a premonition aspect? I mean, kind of. So the deal is like there's this piece of paper that was in a time capsule and it's brought back up and it has all these numbers on it just like a ton of numbers i at first thought it was called numbers when i looked it up and yeah, then there, yeah. and then i realized there's no movie called numbers it's just that tv show with dave crumholtz yeah dave crumholtz knows numbers <laughs> mm-hmm. and the like the that. e in numbers is a three yes of course uh, but anyway so and they realize that these numbers are prophesizing disasters worldwide so it is, and yeah, one of them involves a plane Okay. So, I mean, Maybe it was he's not looking in a notebook. He's not in a plane, but okay. you've got some stuff. Yeah. All right. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's, can we just, can we just do that first? <laughs> we just, stick, yeah, on, sure. just yeah. stick on knowing? I guess so. I just have a feeling that it's going to be more interesting yours because knowing, I have to say, was like pretty good, but okay. it's not good enough to like really, really be effusive about. It was like, okay, this is. This is a pretty good movie, actually. All right. Well, then we'll end with a diatribe from me. Okay, great. We'll do that. Yeah. So the deal with knowing is that there's this... So it starts back in the 50s. And there's this little girl who's like, you know, a classic creepy girl with like big eyes who doesn't want to do the stuff the other kids do. They have a project to draw what they think the future is going to be look, uh, look like because they're going to put it in this time capsule. And in 50 years, they'll open up the time capsule. They're going to give um, each kid at the school at that point an envelope from the time capsule that one of the older kids had drawn a picture of the future okay. in. And they'll see what people thought the future might be like 50 years ago. Cool. So everybody else is drawing like, you know, spaceships and flying cars or whatever. And the little creepy girl is just like leaned over her desk. Just like draw like numbers like oh, she's completely like, across the page, like margin to margin. She's connected to some power having yes. a vision or something. Yes. Right. So um, she says that she hears like whispers and she's all freaked out about it. So then we go to the future where Nicolas Cage is a professor and he's good in this. Professor Cage. Professor Cage is Professor Kessler. Okay. Um, John Kessler. And he's he's good in this. He's not like caging up at all. I think there was like w- one minute where he, he, there was like a scary person around his house and he ran outside with a baseball bat and he was like, come get some. Oh. And that was it. Yeah. And it was very out of character for the guy. Not insanely out of character, but I was like, there it is. It's, yeah, then, there's where the cracks in the veneer yep, are. Yep. Yeah. But otherwise, he was just being a good actor. Yeah. He was, he was fine. It's not like it was like such a meaty, meaty part or anything, but he was good. 
So anyway, they open up this time capsule and his son gets the paper with all the numbers on it. And it's like, what the hell? And the son um, is, he's like a curious sort of boy, basically. Like he likes watching National Geographic stuff. <laughs> he's a curious sort of boy. <laughs> well, no, he's, he's, he's curious. He's he, not a curious, like a weird sort. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. a curious kid. And um, he was supposed to leave that paper at school, but he brought it home. Nicholas Cage is like, what are you, you weren't supposed to bring this home, like whatever. So <clears throat> Nicholas Cage is getting drunk after the kid goes to bed because his wife passed away. Mm. I'm not sure how long ago. And um, he just seems very sad about it, obviously. And Sad Nicholas Cage is pretty effective. I have to say when he they don't belabor it no. um this kind of sadness they don't belabor but like you're aware that he's a single father you know that the mother passed away because the kid says something about it and um so you know he's that bummed. but like that like put upon kind of quiet mm-hmm. like I remember at the beginning of Wicker Man mm-hmm. where yeah he thinks that he didn't save a kid who, right. who died and then there are just shots of him in his apart in his apartment just looking sort of like forlorn mm-hmm. and I was like he's so lively. Whether or not you agree with his like you know absurd choices, he's so energetic and big all the time that watching Nicolas Cage do like quiet guys sitting in a chair right conveys a lot. Yeah, he. I mean, he really was. I thought he was really good in this. Yeah. So anyway, so he's doing that. And at one point, there's something on the news that's distracting him. If I remember right, and he was pouring himself another drink, and it just completely overflows. So he's like, "Bah!" And he goes in the kitchen and like puts the drink down on the counter so he can get some paper towels. And then when <clears throat> when he lifts the drink up, he realizes that he had put it down on that piece of paper with all the numbers and where the ring from the drink is. Drink was is circling this batch of numbers and he looks at it and he's like, huh, there's something weird here. It's like a a pattern. Like, what is this about? What about this is sticking out to me? So he has a whiteboard in his kitchen and he writes the batch of numbers on the whiteboard and um, starts kind of playing with it. He's putting like dashes, different places, only a couple of times doesn't take forever. And then he realizes that the batch of numbers that he looked at were, and this doesn't become a big overarching part of it but it was nine eleven oh one, and then two one two two nine and he's like what that's so weird what the hell is this and then they do a very um like 2000s kind of thing where he goes on the computer and is like narrating to make sure we all understand what september 11th was he's like 9-11-2001 huh or whatever and then he sees that on the website he's on that it says that 1,229 people died in it. And that's the number that was after 9-11-01 okay. in the thing. So he's like, that's weird. Like, what the hell is this? So he starts playing around with all of the numbers on this thing. And um, like, he'll find something that seems like a date and then go to the computer and look it up. And they're all these disasters like across the world so the form that he's seeing this night is that it's the date and the number of people who died in that thing but this was written 50 years ago right so where did this come from what's the deal and also there are all these gaps in the page as well where it's a batch of numbers but doesn't seem to coordinate to anything he doesn't know the deal so his friend is ben mendelson from the outsider and i do too 
Um, so he's like, and he's another professor or whatever. So he's showing him and he's like, yeah, that is weird, but like, it could be a coincidence. Like, what could this mean? How could this be or whatever? And what's with the gaps in the numbers? Like, it's not perfect. Like you might be finding these things because you're searching for them now, like kind of an apophenia sort of deal where you're, um, ascribing too much meaning to something when it isn't actually there, but now you've looked for it and you can kind of make it fit what you're thinking. And he's like, I don't know, you know, whatever, this is weird. So then he's driving somewhere and he's in traffic and he's like, and he has the GPS on and he looks at, the long longitude and latitude on the GPS, which I don't know if that's on a GPS actually or today, but whatever. And he recognizes the numbers and he's like, Oh, I think that's what the gap numbers are. They're like long longitude and latitude. So they do give you a place. Cause I was going to say it's mm-hmm. weird and kind of interesting and, and maybe something fun to explore in and of itself to be like on this date, this number of people will die. Yeah. And the sort of weird hopelessness of, of, well, okay, what am I supposed to do with this information? I can't t- everybody on the globe be careful. This, Something bad happens today, but I don't know where or what or how. This movie ended up being heavier than I would have thought and kind of bleak and weird. The ending is very weird. Excellent. So Spoiler alert for both these movies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, Mom I'm and Dad just, and Knowing. Uh, yeah, totally. I'm just telling the whole plot to Will right now. It's yes. basically what this is going to be. Um, so he sees that and I, I guess he has the paper with him. I don't totally remember. And he realizes that that longitude and latitude coordinate to today. Mm. Like it could be right now. And he's like, Oh God, what the hell? What? The longitude and latitude coordinate to the date that he's in the car looking at it. So like, Oh, oh, oh. so yeah. the latitude, longitude numbers he's looking at. Coordinate to, to some the- sort of disaster that is going to happen today, today in the movie. Okay. And where he is right now, apparently. So it's that's on his also GPS. That's another coincidence that he happens yes. to go to the same place. Yes. Which they talk about. That's part of Do it. Do they explain why he is drawn to these places? Not really. Why did he end up here? Oh, kind of. He thinks he's like meant to know this stuff so that uh, he can like help people or whatever. That's like the same as saying the writer wanted him to go there. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I, he is meant to go there. Somebody said Nicolas Cage ends up there. Yeah, and they told it to this little girl who right. wrote it in the thing. So there's this accident ahead that's, like, causing all of the traffic, and he gets out of his car because it's, like, deadlocked. And he runs up to the, like, cops and stuff, and he's like, hey, what happened here? Did a lot of people get hurt? Because he's thinking, like, you know, the number or whatever. Is anybody hurt? Is anybody hurt? Um, and the cop's like, oh, no, not too bad. And then as the cop is talking to him, he kind of, like, looks over his head, and he's like, whoa, whoa. And it's a plane crashing, like, right above them. Ugh. So the plane crashes, and that's where you get that number from. And so he ran toward the crash, and it's trying to help people and stuff. And, uh, yeah, you know, can't really help them. Yeah. So it's, like, sad and messed up. And he comes home, he's all, like, catatonic and messed up from it. And um, he – so he starts to look into, who, wh- like, who was the little girl who wrote right. these numbers? What's the deal? Because it does say the name of the students from the 50s on each envelope that their picture is contained in, or in her case, her numbers. Does she have a cool old lady name now? Like, no yeah. Penny Whistle or No, it's, it's, like, it's like Lavidia Early or something. I can't uh, remember what it okay. is. But, uh, no, early. it's, like, a fun name. Yeah. Is Early actually part of it? That's a little on the nose. 
<laughs> to I don't be think like so. I predict things and my name is early. Oh my god, I hope it's not. I don't think so. My name is way ahead of kiss early. <laughs> <laughs> There's no, they, it can't be. I don't think so. I'm looking it up real quick. <laughs> My name is Psychotonia. <laughs> look at that. Uh, Psychotonia, look at that. Uh, let's see. I don't know how I can find this. Oh, it's like, okay, her first name is Lucinda. Okay. And what is her last name? Unclear. Whatever. All right. Anyway. I'll try to find it. Okay. So he goes to the teacher's house because she was still alive from the 50s. She was like this extremely old gal who was at the ceremony where they brought up the, <laughs> you know, the time capsule. So he goes to her. And oh, he, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, so, <laughs> so he goes to her and is like, so what was. Okay. Lucinda Embry. Lucinda Will Embry just brought up. Right, okay. Yeah. All right. So he goes to her and was like, so do you remember anything about Lucinda Embry? Like, what's the deal? And she was like, oh, she was always kind of a strange girl. She was very, very quiet and kind of tells him about the time that she flipped out at the ceremony for putting the um, time capsule in the ground. And they found her in a closet and she was like scratching the walls. And she was like, please make the whisper stop. Uh. And he was like, oh, that's weird. So... She has a relative still in the area, her daughter. So he, and it's Rose Byrne. And so he sets up. Another plant. (laughs) Great. Uh, So he sets up a meeting with her. Like he like follows her or something to the museum. And then he and his son get to talking to her and her daughter. And he drops on her like, look, your mom wrote this thing. Did she ever talk about numbers a lot or like anything and she's basically like yeah my mom was obsessed with all that stuff and it drove her crazy and it's not real and i don't want to get into this it's like screw you and he's like oh boy okay so they kind of part ways (laughs) (laughs) oh boy okay (laughs) yeah he's bill clinton and um the son is starting because he was on the receiving end of this paper with all the numbers. He's starting to hear whispers too. Uh, Something weird is going on. And then one night his son sees a man in his room. It's a man, baby. It's a scary man, like a really like pale, tall dude who's in his room and Nicholas Cage runs in and the guy's gone, except that Nicholas Cage looks out the window and he sees a guy like on their property. So that's when he grabs his bat and runs outside. It's like, Hey, Hey, get off my property. And then real quick is like, come get a taste or whatever it was. Come get some. I can't remember. Come get a taste is way better. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't remember what it was, but I was like, uh-huh. taste of cage. That's right. So eventually Rose Byrne comes around And they start kind of looking into stuff and being like, what could this mean? And she's telling him things like, you know, my mom always talked about October 19th as the day I was going to die. And it's like coming soon. And just, you know, all this upsetting stuff. And there was this picture in her home with her mom that she said her mom would just stand in front of and stare at all the time. And it's kind of like, it looks like an old timey book platey kind of picture. And they have um, like a photocopy of it as well, besides just the one on the wall. And one of the kids is just like doodling around and colors in this like 
kind of sun thing above this figure's head that was in the picture um, colors it in like the sun, like kind of orangey and Is it above yellow. the person's head or behind their head? It's like behind slash engulfing. Not, not engulfing their head in flames, but behind. So that's how like in in like in like a Christian Catholic church. It's a yeah, it's a Catholic thing. Yeah, like when they, they depict, you know, like Jesus, they have that mm-hmm. sunny sort of aura thing around his head always. It wasn't Jesus, but it definitely had that sort of feel to it. So, it yeah, was a Catholic some thing. Element of significance, importance. Yeah. There's a little bit of a theme too of like, you know, science versus faith sort of stuff going on. It's not a heavy theme at all, but um, like Nicolas Cage's dad is a priest and he doesn't, they don't speak anymore um, because Nicolas, it seems to be. It's got to be deeper than this. But like Nicholas Cage doesn't believe in that sort of stuff. And maybe yeah. his dad is really pissed at him for not being part of the church or something. Okay. But it's something that's mentioned. He has a sister who visits him and is like, you know, you're going to want to talk to dad sooner or later or whatever. Um, and so they're talking about like the cataclysm okay. and, and stuff like that. So anyway. Catechism? Catechism. Okay. Um, wait. No, I don't know. I don't think. Cataclysm is, is something different. Is there a cataclysmic different. event? Yes, but okay. I think it's called the cataclysm. Okay. Because <laughs> cataclysm <laughs> is something else. It, that's like C A T E C H I. Cat. I don't care. Okay, great. So, uh, so yeah. So this is silly, but seeing the like sun thing around that head makes him remember huh, you know, they've been talking on the news about how the sun is getting too hot and there could be this crazy solar flare. Ah, Maybe that's the event that's coming on this date. Because also on the paper, I don't think I mentioned, everything except for, I believe it was two or three, things have already happened. It's already predicted like things around the world that have been disasters, but there are some dates that are in the future on this thing. So he's like, oh God, what am I going to do? So he realizes that probably the solar flare is what's coming up and holy crap, this is very scary. We got to like warn people and let them know and you know, whatever, there's like a huge disaster that's going to happen. So they're trying to do that, but people are, you know, not taking him super seriously. Um, he reaches out to like professor friends and stuff. And then, um, it sort of catches on, I believe, and they it starts being on the news and stuff like, okay, you should be getting to like a basement dwelling if you can. Um, and basically the news is playing it down a little bit. Yeah. Not intentionally probably, but like from a scientific standpoint, like Nicolas Cage and whoever else are like, this is going to fry the human race. Like there's nothing we can do about this, but they have to tell you to do something. So they're like, get below ground. It's interesting that, and real quick, I did look up cataclysm, and it is described as like a. Cl- I'm used to it being used as like a cataclysmic event, mm-hmm. but a cataclysm itself is a large scale and violent event in the natural world. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you you are 100 right. I just wasn't used to that form. Mm-hmm. But so um, it's weird that and not weird in a bad way. I'm actually I actually think this is all really kind of intriguing. It was pretty good. But so he him as like uh. Well, I read it on this piece of paper that there's going to be a solar flare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to feel like my skull's on fire. Yeah. Like, it, it, he doesn't have a, uh, an accent in this one. Okay. So just but like, feel that, like my skull's on fire. My skull's on fire. 
Um, you still did an accent, but it, okay. Whatever. It could feel like he's being a conspiracy theorist not to be taken seriously. Right. And being so ineffective to actually get people to listen to him mm-hmm. because it's it is it's a crazy thing to say on this piece of paper there's a suggestion that on this date something hor- horrible is going to happen and I think I pieced it together it's a solar flare right you would almost think that, that would make him helpless mm-hmm. it's actually it's almost weirder to me that some people take it seriously at all I know I'm going to be totally honest I can't remember how it comes around that they're taking it seriously I mean maybe there's just scientific evidence yeah, that like scientist, yes scientist man said he's right yeah right because right. um, it's it's not a big thing where we're having like a montage of him going to different scientists or outlets and being like listen to me right like he tells Ben Mendelsohn uh, you know that montage the- from Ghostbusters <laughs> where now they're sitting with Larry King yeah you know? right. right like we're just you know he's trying to get the word out a little bit and then everybody's taking it seriously basically yeah so, um, you know, he and Rose Byrne are, they're just friends, but they're going to take their kids somewhere to try to be safe or whatever. And on the way, they're separated. They're like doing different things. They're going to meet up somewhere. Okay. So Rose Byrne has the kids with her and she's filling up at a gas station. And the, um, the scary dude who was in that kid's room yeah. comes and steals the kids oh. away. So you're like, oh no, like what's this? And, um, so she's like, oh no, they have the kids, whatever. So she jumps in a car and is running after them. And then she gets hit by a car. Oh, like very, very badly. Like it flips a bunch of times. And I was like, oh my God, is she? Cause you know, she had said like, today's the day I'm supposed to die. Right. So I, here's what I kept thinking was going to happen in this movie. And it's not what happens at all. I thought they were going to prevent this end of the world thing. Yeah. They don't. Oh, um, yeah, I thought they were going to find some way to do that. You right. would think that that's what happened. That's Fire he- Nicolas Cage into the sun. That's a hero movie. Yeah. And somehow they were able to re- prevent this. The world ends. The world but- ends at the end of this movie? Yes. Hang what? on. What? So anyway, and so when Rose Byrne got in this crazy accident and she like looks pretty dead, like not crazy, crazy, but her neck is kind of a weird angle. And I was like, wow, she actually died. And she kind of flutters her eyelashes. And I was like, okay, so what it's going to be is that she technically did die on this day, but she came back to life. But no, she dies. They kind of resuscitate her a little bit and she's in the ambulance with Nicolas Cage and then she for real dies. Why is he in there? Wait, is he in there? I think he's in there. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I can be of some assistance. <laughs> <laughs> Let me at her. <laughs> he does. He is in there, right? Yeah, I think he is. Um, so you're not sorry. supposed to be in here. My brain is fried from too much Cage Dober, I, yeah, bet, I guess. I know. Um, he's everywhere. He, <laughs> I, just think he's... I know. That's a thing. I mean, he, <laughs> frankly, for me, he has been everywhere this month. Just I would say that like. Everywhere I look. Hours wise, minutes wise, at least half of what I've consumed in entertainment this month yeah. has been Nicolas Cage. It's too based. much Nicolas Cage for a given month. So he's everywhere to me. He is. He is everything to me. <laughs> yeah. When I close my eyes, it's him I see. He is all. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so she does die. And I was wow. like, wow, okay. So the solar flare, it's a coming. It's very real. And also, I forgot to mention that the kids, um, especially when they're hearing whispering, are finding these like smooth black stones everywhere. Like the stones that are in your sink and my sink. Oh, okay. I have decorative stones in my sink and then I gave Will and Allie some, so they did some. Yeah. Um, they're kind of like that and they'll appear places. So when they see that, like the adults kind of know that the weird, you know, alien scary guys are around, whoever they are. And they're like, 
okay, this isn't good. We got to get on out of here. Do they explain what they are? Yes, that's what just made me think of it. Could they be droppings? <laughs> Everywhere those aliens go, <laughs> they leave smooth little pebbles behind. <laughs> that's their equivalent of like deer tears. Yeah, you know when a deer's been. <laughs> My God. <laughs> it's happening. I stepped on one. <laughs> He's been here. Show yourself. Honestly, they explain it, but not told. Like, I don't understand why they're with them all the time, these pebbles, okay. but it's kind of explained. Okay, here's where it gets <laughs> this crazy. I can't wait. Um, I, I don't know how I feel about it. It was kind of cool. It was definitely fun yeah. to watch this part, but I was like, whoa. Um, okay, so Nicolas Cage gets to, um, I think it's the house that the lady used to live in. That was like their meeting point. And the kids are there, but she's not there. And he's like, hey, okay, you know, we got to get out of here or something. And his son is like, no, we we have to go with them. They're going to save us. And it's like a group of these tall, scary, pale, thin dudes in suits and like overcoats. Like five of them, maybe. Okay. And um, one of the guys communicates telepathically to the kid that like the world is going to end here, but we're going to take you and protect you and you're going to be totally safe. So, you know, don't worry about it. And so the kid thinks at first that Nicholas Cage is in on that. He can come too. But the aliens are like, no, oh. just you two, the, the two kids. And also they now have two pet bunnies that I guess they found like running around the property or something of the house. They're each holding a bunny. Uh-oh. What do you think? What are you uh-oh-ing? It doesn't feel good. I... <laughs> Right? Bunnies symbolically uh-huh. procreate. Uh-huh. So they are Adam and Eve-ish. Uh-huh. Right? Yes. Oh, boy. Yep. Oh, boy. That's exactly what's going on. Oh, boy. So, you know, they have like a tearful goodbye, and it was sad. Nicolas Cage sad was very sad. Yeah. They're crying and stuff, but he's like, you got to go or whatever. And so... Here's the thing that was cool. I think I'm I'm getting ahead a little bit. The alien uh, spaceship is very cool looking. This is heavy. So that's what I'm saying. I, I, I'm surprised by how much this has. The concept of this has hit me. Nicholas Cage being like, "Well, I'm not dead yet, but you'd better get out of here because I'm going to die." Why can't he just come and get old? And I, die. I don't know. How I don't does he know. Have to I don't die see, on this planet. I don't see why not. He seems like a good guy. They have no room in the ship. I don't know. Leave the bunnies. I know. I know. Okay, so uh. he get you know he gets to the place or whatever. But I'm backtracking. Like I said, he gets to the house and he sees the kids. He sees the alien dudes, and there's like a gigantic spaceship. And I think it's pretty awesome looking. And it comes down, and so he's like, "Whoa, this is all real." You know what I mean? It's undeniable. These are not just like creepy pale men. Like something I have never seen that is otherworldly is going on. So anyway, that's exactly the deal, Will. So, you know, he's like, okay, go, you know, I'll see you someday. And also they have a whole thing because the boy's mom had died. You're right, right. About um, heaven and stuff. So, you know, people have told the kid that he'll see his mom again someday. But he's aware that Nicolas Cage doesn't necessarily believe in heaven. This is from the beginning of the movie. And he's like, but you don't believe in it. And he's like, I don't know what I believe. And he's like, but you can believe in it. Like, you know, whatever. And also the kid 
is it's somewhat neither here nor there. I guess it must play in some somehow to um the whispering thing that they that the kid hears, but he has um like a lot of hearing loss. Like he doesn't have complete hearing, so he has just in one ear a hearing aid and he and Nicolas Cage do like a little bit of sign language. Okay. So they had a sign language thing they did in the beginning, like a typical, you know, big Hollywood movie. There's something in the beginning that loops back around toward the end. Set up and pay off. Yeah. So um, they do like a you and me forever love you kind of thing in the beginning. So they do that. And the boy and the girl, who I don't think asked about her mom or anything. I think we were too busy doing business about (laughs) Nicolas Cage and his son. But anyway. too busy like doing the transaction. Yeah, right. Um, so you're they, telling me you can take me off this turkey? <laughs> That's right. I'm out. <laughs> so the dudes and first of all, the dudes in suits remind me of Indrid Cold a little bit. Do you remember that story? It has to do with the Mothman, it right? Yeah. It was a guy in a suit who appeared in a spaceship and talked to a guy in a car named Woody Derenberger okay. and talked to him without opening his mouth or anything right. and just telepathic. It's really just that it was um, a guy in a suit and telepathy. And spoke to Richard Gere on the phone in the movie The Mothman Prophecies. I haven't seen that in forever. I, I don't remember it. The good moment in that movie is mm. when Injured Cold makes the first phone call. It's so scary. Yeah. Look up the Injured Cold phone calls from Mothman Prophecy. That's that's all you need. I'm sure people love that movie. It's just my opinion. But mm-hmm. so scary. Like, yeah. So scary. Like I've been wanting to watch. I, I watched it like renting a disc from Netflix however long ago. Yeah. Um, but I've still rent discs from Netflix. I did know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway. So they turn into like they kind of like shed their human looking forms and it looks cool, though. I have to say, like it, it looked cool. They they transform into these alien slash kind of angel looking things, mostly alien, but they're sort of see through and like bluish and cool looking. You can see through, and you can see they have like something like a brain, and then they have like to call them wings would make it sound too solid. Like this shape kind of thing behind them that looks somewhat wingy. Okay. So they're like reminiscent of angels and they and the kids go up into the ship and it like closes around them or whatever. So then Nicholas. Oh, and when it, when the ship is taking off, all these stones around Nicholas Cage start rumbling off the ground because of the force of the ship going up. And you're like, Oh, those are the, <clears throat> those are the stones. But like, why are those stones appearing everywhere? Maybe are they like getting like burned and polished by alien technology, you know? Maybe, but why are those stone? Oh no, I mean like why are they like in Nicolas Cage's house? Like that feels like the alien would have to take it and put it there. Well, I guess it did. Maybe it's according <laughs> to your theory. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's took it and put it there, all right. So then He's just like, we're just with Nicolas Cage on the world that's dying. Finally, some time to myself. (laughs) (laughs) So he gets in his truck and he drives over to his family's house. The streets are crazy, like just packed with people like looting and like doing crazy stuff. I saw at one point there was a guy who just had two people on either side of him pulling him in either direction. I was like, what are they doing? What are they getting from this man? It's just extras that were allowed to improvise. Exactly, for sure. So he goes to the house and he, you know, like hugs his dad and is like, I love you or whatever. They're, they're, you know, making up in the end times and they have the TV on the house and there's a news guy being like, we're going to stay on as long as we possibly can. But as we've said, get to a basement dwelling, whatever. And so it's like glitching out. 
And then you see from the outside just a gigantic, like, fire thing just going through the city, rolling over all the houses, screwing everything up. And then it, like, explodes the house that Nicolas Cage and his family are in while they're hugging all together. They're doing a family hug. Oh, boy. It ex- it, everything is decimated. They're showing, like, they leave Times... no room for doubt. No. They're showing, like, <laughs> Times Square with, like, rolling, like, smoke and fire and, like, oh the Chrysler God. building going down. And I've... I know I've told you I don't like stuff like that. It uh, gives me such a weird feeling. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, man, I don't like this at all. So the world is just dead and gone. It burned. It burned. So here's wow. the part that is the weirdest. Wait, something stuff. else happens now? <laughs> yes. We have to leave on a note of hope. Okay. This is the weirdest thing of all where I was like, oh, my God. Which, oh, can I guess? Can I guess? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the planet's been decimated. Yes. Right? So we, we fade to black. We fade up. And there's just like soot. And and fog and smoke and dirt and like you know buildings have been leveled everything is demolished and then we push in and there's a breeze and it's whipping up some of the dirt on the ground and it cleans off the face of Nicolas Cage who opens his <laughs> eyes and goes let's get this party started close okay yeah close no we go to this like other planet. Where the two children are running in fields of what is kind of like wheat. Shut up. I guess. But it kind of has, like I don't know, it's like alien wheat. Right. They had to come up with like alien fruit and vegetables now. Right. Right. So they're like running around playing with the bunnies and stuff. And they're running toward a tree that's like the tree of life. And there, and there are other spaceships that are kind of like around. And it looks like a beautiful planet. And you can see like the moon and stuff. So they are just recreate the aliens drop them off to re like the Earth experiment has failed. We're oh, starting so they're this starting over. a new Earth. Yes, they're so starting a new Earth. When you say the moon, is it our moon? I don't know. Okay, it looks like our moon. That's I don't know. weird. I, okay, are Maybe they being left to their own devices? <laughs> no, I, I'm not sure because there are other. The planet it's going to be pretty different this time. Oh yeah, with just bunnies. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. There are other spaceships. So are they are those oh. all kids? So they're just gonna start over another kid planet? Those are like the Noah's Arcs. Yes, of- exactly. So maybe they have, you know, giraffes in one of the pods or whatever. <laughs> also, if you're gonna start over, why kids? Why not like, I don't know, like teens or adults or whatever who you are have gonna to wait a little bit. That's what I'm saying. So why start with like a ten year old? So anyway, that's how the movie ends. Uh, it was crazy. I mostly liked it. Like I mostly was, it was like, I find, do, you know, do I recommend it? Right. A very soft recommend because yeah. a lot of the time I was like, this is actually a pretty good movie. It's not like amazing or anything, but I was like, okay. I will say I do find myself intrigued by some of the concepts that you're bringing up. <laughs> shocked at how bleak it is i want to see did you look up any reviews or anything yeah roger ebert loved it he did yes but it doesn't have good reviews altogether it's rotten on rotten tomatoes it's got a 6.2 on imdb which is pretty mm -hmm. average yeah but yeah the rotten tomato is 34 percent. yeah now i don't put i'm not a person that puts a lot of stock into rotten tomatoes the only time i do is if it's something that i'm on the fence about watching already yeah and i'll be like uh all right let me kind of see what other people are thinking about it and then i you know, whatever. Yeah. But it's not a huge deal for me. Uh, so the critics consensus from Rotten Tomatoes is 
Knowing has some interesting ideas and a couple good scenes, but it's weighted down. Weighed? Yeah, weighed down. Yeah. But it's weighted down by its absurd plot and over-seriousness. Yeah. Sounds like it's a very... It sounds like it's a movie about, like, in a way, religion. It sounds like it's a movie about faith. They they don't lay that on thick at all. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, it's definitely there. I mean, that's like, like signs. Me th- I would say it made me think of signs, but it's not anywhere near that sort of level. Right. As far as faith or as far as like a good movie. But like aliens mixed with yep. religion mixed yep. with horror. Yeah. Signs, mm-hmm. right? Um, interesting. I, yeah. I mean, uh, listen. It was, you know. I don't know what to say. You've intrigued me. It was it was interesting. I, you know, you could do worse. Yeah. It was okay. But well, yeah, definitely the, especially seeing the kids on the other planet. I was like, whoa. I, I, I mean, that's I, a, a minute. Yeah, I just but, looked up a photo of that mm-hmm. other planet and it, yeah, I guess it's like, it's like golden wheat, mm-hmm. right? I was, I was really has, hoping that it would be like. You know, pink or teal no, brown, it, like some stupid looking it's alien not, planet. It's not normal. Like you know the things that stick out of flowers, like lilies or whatever. That are there's a name for them, but these little st- kind of stick things that come out, and then they have like a little bulb on the end. Okay, that's kind of what the wheat looks like. Oh, uh, okay, interesting. The phylum or something. I don't know. Um, interesting. Well, you know, you said you could do worse than knowing, right? And I think I have. <laughs> well, William, I'm very excited to hear about it. But before we go there, let's take a breather. Let's regroup. Yeah. Let's spend a little bit of time with Tracy Michelle Bullock of Simplicity Do Your Dream. Let's this movie was anything but simple. So I could use a little bit of simplicity from Tracy, I think. That's right. So uh, let's let uh, one of Tracy's clients tell you all about her. Great. So, quote. Having Tracy as a coach is having the assurance that you will be fully supported and listened to. She has the ability to look beyond the problem and to bring creative ideas in a very practical way so that you can focus on the strengths you possess to overcome whatever obstacle you might be facing. I personally have been working with her during the past four months and have created a new platform to empower women through workshops and training. That was Kizzy Petit, Coach for Women and Postnatal Doula. Yeah, so I also just want to comment on that real quick about the versatility of Tracy. Oh, yeah. Because our last quote from a client was from, I believe, a musical engineer. There have been people who we've like heard from in past ads who were business people just really she can generally give you really great guidance and coaching that you and she can tailor to whatever your individual business is well i think a lot of businesses have shared problems you know how do i get started how do i reach people how do i market myself like whatever your business may be i'm sure there are very complex specifics about it Mm -hmm. but also there are a lot of common struggles when you're trying to get something off the ground and it it, you know it's you can't overstate how important it is to have another pair of ears totally and so you can try out tracy's pair of ears risk-free by doing a 30-minute coaching call with her for free which is nuts to me that you can book through her instagram or her website so getting started is so low stakes and easy so To check out Simplicity Do Your Dream and make your appointment for career coaching from someone who really gets it, go to at Tracy Michelle Bullock, that's Michelle with one L, 
or www.simplicitydoyourdream.com. Just for Guide to the Unknown listeners, Tracy is offering 20% off your first month of coaching if you name drop GTTU pod when you get in touch with her. That's right. So again, that's at Tracy Michelle Bullock on Instagram or simplicitydoyourdream.com and let Tracy know that Guide to the Unknown sent you for 20% off. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, all right. So now let's talk about our final Nicolas Cage movie. Yes. For Cage-tober. This is going to do it. Okay. This is the end friend this is the end so i watched a movie like i said mm-hmm. called mom and dad now again this seemed to be a slasher a light-hearted slasher certainly a dark comedy right the entire premise is mom and dad want to kill you right um as a matter of fact some of the taglines are sometimes they just want to kill you <laughs> They brought you into this world, they can take you out. That's a very good one. It's a very good one, but I also like the sort of nuance of this one. They brought you into this world, now they'll take you out. Mm-hmm. Right? There's That's more urgency too. of like, it's happening right now, mom and dad are going to kill me. Mm-hmm. And the synopsis from IMDb is, a teenage girl and her younger brother must survive a wild 24 hours during which a mass hysteria of unknown origin causes parents to turn violently on their own kids. Uh, The poster says it's one of the great jet black comedies and like a twisted remake of Home Alone on bath salts. Okay. I'm always a little wary when people are like, it's like blah, blah, blah on bath salts. You should be wary. Yeah. In particular, bath salts. Let me just say, it's not good to be on bath salts. No, it's not. Right? But I feel like referencing bath salts in particular is something that I'm like, what? Aren't bath salts what created the Miami zombie? You remember that? I don't know. A guy ate another man's face. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was bath salts. It was bath salts. It's not good to be the anything on bath salts. No, but it's the cool thing to say. You mean instead of saying on acid on bath salts? That's what I'm saying. It conveys a dorkiness to me. It not only does it convey a dorkiness, but my point is, Home Alone on bath salts sounds like bad news. Stay away from it. Yes. Right. But you know, for certain people, fun to watch. I suppose. Well, um, I walked right into a trap that I didn't see coming because um, we talked about this last week with Ghost Rider, right? So the original Ghost Rider, charming, goofy, yeah, right, went down smooth. It's not, it's yep. not a great movie. It's a fun, as smooth as jellies from a martini jar. Exactly. I mean, glass. Well, whatever, martini <laughs> jar. But so um, we we avoided watching Ghost Rider Part Two. Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Right. Because it was directed by the guys who made the Crank movies, Neville Dean and Taylor. Those uh-huh. are two different guys. One is Neville Dean, one is Taylor. Just goes by Taylor? Well, it turns out it's Brian Taylor. Okay, fine, fine. Who uh, wrote and directed Mom and Dad. Okay. <laughs> and I didn't know that. So I ended up watching... Whoopsie doozy. I ended up watching another Nick Cage movie that has this... Now listen, I like... I like Crank. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen Crank? I haven't. I know that you and Dad would watch Crank. I uh, it's an awkward father son movie. Is it? Yeah, a couple of scenes are kind of weird. I don't, okay. I don't really remember watching it. With, maybe I did. Maybe I'm wrong. Honest. I don't know. I, I whatever. It is. It is a, a kooky, crazy high. You know, high octane. Mm-hmm. It's certainly. It's absolutely. An action movie on bath salts, 100%. Our dad loved that Jason Straitham. Yeah, he didn't know how to pronounce his name, but he loved him. So um, I was also telling Alan the other day, Shaggy, 
the, the oh Sarah yeah dr shaggy. sexy yeah he thought his name was dr sexy yeah <laughs> anyway moving on it's so weird that he had no awareness of shaggy anyway At and it was all. basically because he would pick me up from school and i had him put on like z100 or whatever right and it would be like st louis telefantastic <laughs> and then dad would go like was well, just playing dr sexy again yeah like doctors where'd you get that in your head his name is dr sexy anyway paging dr <laughs> sexy so mom and dad is is filmed like a crank movie. It mm-hmm. is all of this handheld shaky cam, low frame rate. So it's super choppy visuals. Um, and everything moves really fast and everything is, is way over stylized. Mm-hmm. The music, this is something that it's hard to like really get across in a podcast. And it's such a nitpicky point of mine. It's just my taste. I have a big, bad issue recently with ironic music choices. <laughs> if it's like, this is supposed to be a fun song for children and it's played over murder and mayhem. Oh yeah. Like it's, it's, it's okay. Obviously that's like fun. It's like chocolate and peanut butter, but like everybody's doing it. it is. So you can't escape it. So it's no longer special, right? It's like a in, gimmick. Like in what? Uh, eh, forget it. Forget everything. American horror story. All of American horror story is ironic. Um, deliberately inappropriate music choices. I don't know. It is. Um, so um, have you watched it lately? Nonetheless. Okay. Exactly. You haven't seen it in like years. Two years. <laughs> How about this? The most recent thing I remember <laughs> is the trailer for the Nurse Ratchet show. Okay. And that was like you know, like I don't know, like fifties doo wop. Mm-hmm. But the point was everything is gritty and yucky. Uh huh. Right. And it's yeah. Like, yeah. That. This again. This uh-huh. again. Right. So um, anyway, this movie's a chore. <laughs> How long was it? It was a hard watch. I don't know. Okay. I, I don't know. So here's the... Here's Knowing the, was two hours, just so everybody knows. That's a long movie. Yes. Yeah. So here's, here's the plot. It's a dysfunctional family mm-hmm. headed by Nicolas Cage and Selma Blair, who are in the midst of a midlife crisis. They have two kids. They've got a nanny or maid. I'm not sure. The maid brings her own child around when she's like over there doing yeah. stuff. That's a thing. That's a thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, you know everything is like pretty, pretty run of the mill, basic. Nicholas Cage has. Um, is there any stuff about cars and knowing? Is there, like, no a car in that. Because again, in this movie, he like has a flashback to driving like a, a hot. What, what's Dwight Schrute's car? I don't know. A T-bird or something? Like a hot bird? I have no idea. A hot bird? He spins that hot bird. Yeah. So he has like a flashback to doing donuts with like a nudie lady. Weird. And so he's going with like a big midlife crisis. Nicolas Cage and Cars. Uh Uh-huh. It's a real thing. Right. Um, But there's foreshadowing throughout the movie, just like a zombie movie. Uh Uh-huh. So like family's getting ready for their day and they get in the car in the driveway and they go off to school or they go off to the office. And meanwhile, there are reports over the news of, you know, this, this an accident occurred. A woman pushed or uh, uh, abandoned her car with her kids in it on the train tracks. Mm-hmm. And it seemed to be intentional. Was it murder? Like all of these like questions hinting, hinting parents are killing kids. And that stuff is effective for me. I, it's very tropey, but I like the zombie mm-hmm. trope. I like hearing foreshadowing yeah and somebody news- snaps off the radio and they're just like eh. yeah exactly newscasters who are out of their depth to understand right that this is like a sea change event this is th- like the end of the world almost right. so um uh uh the parents are compelled to kill their own children 
it is hypothesized on TV that it's maybe a reverse survival instinct kind of a thing. Uh-huh. So like how they say, you know, a, a, a parent could, you know, if, if their baby was under a car, they could lift the car right. to get the kid out, right? Extreme strength manifesting in a moment of panic mm-hmm. or how you'd step in front of like a bullet to save your kid. But why are they panicking? It's like, the opposite. But why? No, it, well, it's not, even, it's not even necessarily that it's a panic, but the survival instinct of a parent is mm-hmm. no matter what, protect your kid. So the reversal is no matter what, kill your kid. Right, but what's causing people to do this? We don't know, and it's never explained. What? It's never explained. I don't like that. That's annoying to me. I I, I sort of agree, but think about zombie movie rules. It's, you know, Night of the Living Dead never says what. There's this whole thing about, like, Yeah, but this is so particular. Venus. You know what I mean? Like, they're specific. usually single-minded in zombie movies. Like, the, everybody's brains are wiped clean, and they just want to eat. Right. Like, this is still conscious... Yes. But you're making these choices. And it is choice-based. Uh-huh. Um, once things, like, really kick off, like, Nicolas Cage is actively trying to figure out... His kids have locked themselves in the basement. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to figure out how to get them. So he's, like, lying to them. Right. And scheming. So that's and, why and, like, it's going strange to get to tools me. and stuff. So right. it, it, they're still themselves. Mm-hmm. They just must kill their kids. Mm-hmm. But they're not mindless. They're not robotically doing this. He and Selma Blair have, like, a, a lot of back and forth. And will be like... What happened to us? And you, you know, we used to be Nick and Selma, and now we're just mom and dad. Mm-hmm. So, like, they have, like, a heart-to-heart conversation. Yeah. But also, they're trying to kill their kids. The closest that I can tell you is this. When you watch the movie, undeniably, this is piped in, but they don't commit to it, which is why I'm not saying this is the cause. There's a sound. Mm-hmm. There's a sound frequency, and it seems like maybe it's being passed over the radio Maybe it's literally something that people are hearing. I don't know if that means it's a thing in the air or whatever. A, vo- a, a guy on TV, played by a comic book writer named Grant Morrison, says maybe it's biological warfare, mm-hmm. right? So like maybe some sort of a like a sonic frequency is triggering right. this reverse survival instinct, this re- reverse protection instinct in parents mm-hmm. where they have no choice. Mm-hmm. Um, so certainly you hear this like big tinny sound all the time. Okay. But the movie doesn't want to commit Weird. one way or another. So what's what's wacky, there, there are a million wacky things in this movie. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, 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 spoiler alert, I'm just not going to recommend this movie. I don't think anybody needs to watch this movie. The ideas that are interesting, I'll just share with you here. I'll just, Fantastic. I'll just, I'll just tell you about them. Um, but I, I, I cannot emphasize enough how unpleasant the experience of watching this movie is. The sound of it, and especially... The look of it, mm-hmm. this choppy slow mo frame rate. It sounds like I would an extreme close ups. Thank like, you for sparing me. I, I just, I just knew you. I knew you wouldn't. Yeah. Oh boy, Ali, Ali left the room. Yeah. Ali stopped watching it, and I think I would have too if I wasn't doing it for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they create scenarios in this movie. So the the daughter of the family goes to school, and while she's in school, all of a sudden. Parents are just showing up at the gate outside the school, like leering, trying to get in, Uh being like, send my son out. I need to see my son. And the teachers, and we're not sure what they're being told, but like a teacher picks up a phone and is like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. All right. Everybody stay in your seats. So he must have been told something. Uh Uh-huh. He's probably been told something about parents are killing their kids. I don't know for sure. So the teachers, the point is the teachers of the school know 
don't let the kids get to their parents. Mm -hmm. And yet the parents are basically trying to climb this fence to get in. And at one point, a kid breaks free of the teacher because they've got the, the kids have got this thing of like, well, no, my mom's saying I have to uh-huh. come to her. You're just a teacher. I, I got to listen to my mom. So the yeah. kid breaks free of the teacher, runs for the mom. And this mob starts like pulling him over the fence. The teachers are trying to hold him back. And it was almost interesting. But then the shot of what happens is an arm. Uh, like the kid's been grabbed over the fence. Uh-huh. The parents got him. And then they show an arm raise up. Uh-huh. Now, in any slasher, this would be the moment where, like, Jason lifts the axe yeah. and he's about to bring it down. Yeah. This arm raises up and it's holding a key between its knuckles, mm-hmm. like a stabbing weapon, mm-hmm. and it's already covered in blood. Okay. That was the kill. It already yeah. happened. The movie didn't show us. It sort of caught us up that it he like just it's a kid? got stabbed. They're they're not shying away from violence oh, okay. in this movie. It, it it almost just feels like they didn't have the budget or the time, which I can sympathize with. But it's very puzzling to watch. It's almost uh-huh. like things happen out of order. Weird. But here's here's the next like sort of fun wrinkle. Your parents want to kill you. They don't want to kill anybody else. Mm-hmm. The entire compulsion is about killing your own offspring. They're, you're not violent otherwise. Uh-huh. Theoretically, like there's a moment where Nicolas Cage's daughter is like running home. Her boyfriend's trying to protect her. He had an altercation with his father, in which he he basically killed his dad to survive. Mm-hmm. Which is all you know. It's it's scary. It's life or death stakes. Yeah. Like, I, I sort of relate to that stuff. But they run into a man, who's like hands are covered in blood, and he's walking toward them, and they're like, "Oh my god, this guy's a murderer too!" But no, he's yeah. just checking his mail. Yeah, he doesn't he care. Doesn't about you. care about them. Mm-hmm. Which is why it's so puzzling when they get home and Nicholas Cage has come home from work early. And he immediately attacks the boyfriend. Oh, that doesn't make any sense. Immediately attacks the boyfriend. At first, it could be Nicolas Cage being overprotective dad and being like, I don't want her dating you, right? You're older than she is, and I I know what boys were like when I was your age. But then he... Could it be because the boyfriend's an impediment to him killing his daughter? It it could be. It could be argued that. Right, yeah. He like throws the boyfriend against the wall and then gets him down on the ground. And then I don't even know how to describe this. Nicholas Cage sort of crouches over him and raises his hand and looks at his raised hand. Okay. And whap, brings it down to smack it on the kid's head, smacking the kid's head into the ground. Of his home? Of his own home. And I don't, I guess he just killed that That's kid very with like a slap on the head. It, <laughs> That's so I don't weird. know what I'm seeing. Yeah. I don't know what I'm looking at. And and he didn't need to do that. And it makes it just feel like Nicolas Cage was already crazy. Uh-huh. And that's my primary issue. Uh-huh. Almost like Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Yeah. 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 Where you're like, oh, yeah, this guy seems like he's fine. Yeah. Great. Let this guy get locked up with his mm-hmm. family. He's already really intense. Oh, yeah. Like, well, you saw he saw it on the TV. Yeah, right. He's like already giving his wife shit in the car. Oh, to, and he had broken his son's arm yeah, already. Yeah, broke his son's arm. Yeah. yeah. Nicolas Cage in flashbacks is like he's talking to his son and being the cool dad who will say like inappropriate things and curse and stuff. Uh-huh. And then at one point, there's a weird flashback where the kid found a dead animal, thought he could bring it back to life or something, and... Put it in his dad's Firebird, his T-Bird. Okay. His hot rod. Thunderbird? Is that Thunderbird, a thing? Thunderbird, maybe. And then Nicolas Cage found it. Okay. And he's like, oh my God, <laughs> dead animal in here. So he's sitting with his son and he goes like, I understand what you're going through, but you know, 
if you touch my car again, I'm going to have to kill you. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And he lets it linger for so long that you're like, this man actually threatened to kill his kid in a flashback. Yeah. Also, the... So you're like, oh, he's always been evil. Yeah, right. He's always been out of his mind. This event of parents wanting to kill their kids is almost... It's like a cover for him. Yeah, it's almost irrelevant. Yeah. Um, Also, there's a nitpick, but every time they go to a flashback, I thought I was looking at new characters for a second. (laughs) I thought I was like in a new scene. Do they do too good a job of de-aging them? No, it's just like so visually confusing. So... Selma Blair has the most interesting moment in this movie. Mm-hmm. And it isn't what I thought it was. Okay. She, the entire time, um, is like watching these events unfold and like hearing through the grapevine like, yeah, something's going on. Something violent is happening and people are killing kids. Oh my God, are they killing their own kids? She has, she has, I'll get to the good thing. This is the worst moment in the movie. This this almost made me shut the movie off. This turned me against the movie in, in such a big way. She has a sister who's giving birth. Mm-hmm. And they have a scene, they have a birthing scene in this movie <clears throat> where they then hand the baby, the newborn, to the mother mm-hmm. who just gave birth. And she's hugging it and cradling it and then she starts hugging it too oh hard. Oh my God. And it, it, this movie I is... I don't even like hearing about no, that. And it's so much worse. I'll, I'll, I'm sure. It, it is so intense and horrible and I can only... I can just like hear the dude that made Crank being like, huh, I created a, a, such a... I created such a scary scenario mm-hmm. or such like a fun, you know, surprising scenario. And I'm just like, ah, it just, just makes me feel like I gotta take a shower. It just, yeah. It, it, I, I don't know why you want to make a movie that makes me feel bad and horrible and mm. i love horror i'm a horror writer i don't want to write things i want to write things that like spook you so when you're taking the garbage out alone you're like oh I'm, I'm scared yeah i don't want to write things that make you go like oh i have to wash my hands yeah and i have to get this movie out of my system totally right i don't know why you want that and i just watching this it was so uncomfortable Ugh, and sounds so awful horrible and uh listen it's entertainment whatever it's not real mm-hmm. but man it, it just yeah, watching visceral... it is real yeah You're I, I, I really it. i really did not like that Ugh. so the good thing okay the interesting thing selma blair now realizes yeah it's confirmed parents are killing their kids and they may not be in control of what they're doing mm-hmm. they have to do it i've got to get home and save my kids mm-hmm. because my husband she like tries to call him at the office and he's not there she's like oh my god Nicholas Cage is going near my children. Yeah, right, right. You know, I've got to save my children from Nicholas Cage. Yeah, he's my husband and their father, but yeah. it's Nicholas Cage. So she's driving home and she's listening to the radio. And on the radio, they say, stay away from your children. Mm-hmm. You might think that you need to get to them right now. Stay away from your children. Yeah. And there's a hair of a moment where Selma Blair almost goes, am I driving home to save my children or is an instinct that's not within my control Uh compelling me to get to my children? Yeah. And I think that's a fun, fascinating thing to explore. Yeah. Who hasn't had a moment of, you know, like weakness, like, Oh man, I ate too many pieces of pizza. I knew it was the wrong thing to do, but I Uh had to do it. I think we've all got these things that we are sort of in control of, but sort of not in control of. Weirdly, like something can make sense, absolute sense in the moment. Mm -hmm. And then after the fact, you're like, how could that ever have made sense? Yeah. 
I wanted to see her struggle. Yeah. And I wanted to see her have to come to terms with this and try to fight through it. Mm -hmm. She goes home. She immediately wants to kill her kids. Yeah. And we're just in. Let's In it again. We're just in it. Yeah. And there is no pulling back. There is no coming back. Right. So the kids barricade themselves in the basement. So the parents start trying to run gas into the basement to sort of gas them out. Uh, the kids manage to get out. They start having like fun, cool kid dialogue of like Nicolas Cage is like, I know I can get through the door with a sawzall. Uh-huh. It saws all, you know? Yeah. And so they bring that back a few times in the movie. Oh my God. A sawzall. It saws all. Um, so uh, we have a flashback where the kids in the basement are like, why is there all like this destroyed stuff down here? Uh-huh. Flashback. Nicolas Cage bought himself a pool table and okay. he didn't tell Selma Blair. She catches him putting it together. And she's like, when were you going to tell me about this? So he demolishes it himself with a sledgehammer while singing the hokey pokey. Oh my God. William, thank you so much for telling me not to watch this. This is both your birthday and your Christmas present. This I, don't, no, I don't accept. I'm going to need something with a monetary value. But thank you. <laughs> I did. I did you a big one. A you big really solid. did. So again, the point is made. Like what the, the, the point of like... Each scene should have a function, like a point of something we're learning. And almost every time we see Nicolas Cage, what we're meant to learn is he's out of his goddamn mind. Uh Uh-huh. I get it. And always has been, it sounds like. I get it. Yeah. He demolished his pool table with his own sledgehammer oh. and flips out because he's having a midlife crisis. God. So anyway, they're, they're, they're trying to get to the kids. Um, another fun thing that happens is at some point the maid... Is, is like mopping and stuff. And she's yelling at the son of the family who doesn't go to school. He's just always at the home. Okay. I don't know. And uh, uh, she's like, you should listen to your parents. You should really listen to your parents. And they don't really mention what's going on until way later when she's still mopping and the mop is covered in blood. Oh, I, that's kind of cool. And they still don't mention what happened uh, until Selma Blair is trying to run a gas line into the basement. She has to go around the house and she walks past the garbage can. There are a bunch of flies around it and mm-hmm. she opens the the garbage can, looks inside and kind of goes, huh? And drops the lid. And I was like, Oh, I hope they leave it there. Yeah. In the margins of this movie, the maid killed her child. Did they leave it there? No. She, okay. she goes like, I found Melissa in the garbage can. Yeah. Which is fine. It, it's still, so it still functioned. Uh-huh. But it was so yeah. it was so in the fringe of the story for a while that it was like a secret story that, that I, is or, cool. it was like a side plot. Yeah. You know, you just had to notice or be paying attention to. Yeah. And it was it was it was pretty fun. Yeah. Um all right. All right. All <laughs> right. So let's get to the end yeah, of the Yeah, how does it end? They were supposed to have dinner with Nicolas Cage's parents. They've arrived. Do they kill Nicolas Cage and Selma Blair? It's a fantastic twist that is part of the trailer, right? This is, this is, again, the trailer sold to me madcap wacky movie. Mm-hmm. Because you see mom and dad trying to kill the kid and smashing through a car window to get to them. And Nicolas Cage baring his teeth and yelling, ah! And then, bing bong! And Selma Blair goes, we're supposed to have dinner with your parents tonight. Mm-hmm. Mom and dad, coming soon to theaters. And you're like, oh, grandma and grandpa are going to get in on the fun. Yeah. We're all going to kill each other. But then when you watch the movie, you're like, oh, I feel sick. Right. My tummy hurts. I'm not okay. But still, when this moment occurred, bing bong, grandma and grandpa were here. I was so excited. Yeah. Nicholas Cage. But he's answered, something different. Yes. Nicholas Cage answers the door and it says mom and dad. So they're like elderly. One of them is Lance Henriksen. Okay. Who is, you would know him as the director, John Milton. Oh, yes. From Scream okay. 3. Uh-huh. He'll give you whatever you want. Right. Script approval. Final cut. 
I already have it. Uh, he's from Aliens. Mm-hmm. He's Bishop, the the robot. He's a yeah. fantastic like character B movie horror actor, and he's 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 a grandpa. Mm-hmm. And he walks into the room and he immediately starts stabbing Nicolas Cage in the tummy. Sweet. He's instantly stabbing his son. Yeah, and in turn, Nicolas Cage is trying to fend off his father and chase his son. Uh huh. And we're we're in. This is the premise. Right. It's finally happening. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the premise has been happening, but like the promise of the yeah, premise. The, yes. The, what you thought the movie was going to be like. A crazy event. Yes. That's kind of fun, and I don't know how it's going to transpire. Yeah. Is occurring. And so Lance Henriksen, at one point, Nicolas Cage like is scrambling through the Firebird to get to his son, and Lance Henriksen comes up and just grabs his leg before he can fully climb in, just starts stabbing the leg. Oh my God. <laughs> it's just crazy. Yeah. Um, and then, puzzlingly, Grandma and Selma Blair fight. Yeah, right. I, I figured that's what was going to happen, even though it doesn't really make sense. It doesn't make sense. She should be trying to kill Nick Cage as well. It didn't make sense when Nicholas Cage was attacking the uh, daughter's boyfriend either. Correct. So. so there's plenty that doesn't make sense. And again, this is arguably a very simple concept. Mm-hmm. So to deviate from these simple rules are important. If you tell me that something functions a certain way, you can subvert it in mm-hmm. a really satisfying way and tell me, oh, no, no. There's another rule you didn't know. Yeah. Or there's a twist on the rule that you hadn't considered. Right. But if you tell me parents are only killing their kids and then seemingly paradoxically, mm-hmm. occasionally a parent is just attacking someone. Yeah. Because the movie needs violence. It doesn't make me sit there in the fun of the moment. It makes me go, huh? Right. And you don't want your movie to make me go, huh? Totally. So um, they die. <laughs> Grandma and grandpa. I, 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 I honestly. Do I, they live? I, I mean, their parents probably aren't around to finish them they're, off. They're, they're great, great grandparents. Yeah. I would love that. That's yeah. great. Bing bong. Oh, right. we're supposed to have dinner with your grandparents' parents. <laughs> yes. Just keep going. Mm-hmm. So I think they get hit by a car or something. I think oh grandma gets God. hit by a car and Lance Henriksen. This movie sounds really bad. Gets hit by a car. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. The ending. And you can see I just started writing, no, 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 no. Yes, yeah. This is me in the moment going, what? Yeah. Okay. Nicolas Cage, everybody's been like knocked out mm-hmm. in this battle. Grandma and Grandpa are dead. The kids get the, the one up. They tie Selma Blair and Nicolas Cage to a support beam in the basement. Okay. And they, they are fully subdued so that they cannot hurt the kids anymore. And the kids are sitting there and they wait for Selma Blair and Nicolas Cage to wake up. Mm-hmm. And they tearfully are like, I love you, Mom. Why are you doing this? I love you, Dad. And then it pushes in on Nick Cage who goes, sometimes we just want to, bam, Mom and Dad, credits roll, boo, 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 badass, woo, yeah. air guitar, the movie doesn't end. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't Oh, happen. oh, I thought you had something else happen. I was like, no, no, no. what? How could this be? No, yeah, the right, movie stopped right. happening, but the story yeah, didn't just, end. Yeah. It just, it just, they just went it to It stopped credits. occurring. Yeah. It, it stopped happening in front of me. Yes. And I could not have been, I don't think I could have been more irritated. <laughs> you must have been somewhat relieved. Listen, I was happy to for To be released. Be also, I when this moment occurred, I had been texting you. Yep. And I was like, I don't think you should watch this. I'm at the end. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's ending right now. And it 
it ended right then. And I just texted you, well, it, it ended. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I don't know what I'm left with. I don't know what's happening. Oh, um, God. So let's just see what I, what I wrote. Okay. All right. This is, yeah, this is not nice. <laughs> oh, this isn't nice. So I wrote, it honestly, it honestly seems kind of amateurish. Uh-huh. Now I'm an amateur, right? Yeah. You know. I looked at this and I was like, this is somebody being like, I'm going to do something that nobody expected. Not considering whether or not something unexpected is something people will like, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so it just feels very try hard mm-hmm. and phony. Yeah. Um, Sounds. And intended to make me go, whoa, you got me. <laughs> yeah, right. But instead I'm just annoyed. Uh, even the, even the, and I know this is marketing material. This is not the filmmaker saying this, but like one of the taglines are the, premise or whatever it was like the kids must survive 24 hours where their parents are attacking them oh well for all i know that's weird maybe never ends yeah but the movie the movie doesn't conclude it so i have zero idea and the movie doesn't tell you there's like a clock going right not at all i i would almost like to see what happens when they leave the fog would you though um well here's the thing here's another note i have um someone remake this I think this is a fun idea or it has potential. Uh Uh-huh. And I think that this is a great example of a movie with a concept that is um, uh, conceptually fun and and executed in the most flawed way possible. Yeah. I would sort of like to see these as like realistic characters. There's also kind of an interesting moment where on the news, there's a dad who's already killed his kids Mm -hmm. and the, the camera's just on him and he goes, he's looking at the camera and he goes, I really wish, I really wish that I could summon even some crocodile tears for you. Yeah. Tell you that I, you know, didn't mean to do it or that I wish I hadn't done it. He goes, I think what's going on right now is awful. I think mm-hmm. what's happening now is horrible. But if for me it was just the right thing. Yeah. And it's so, That's scary. It's it's very yeah. very scary. Yeah. Very very scary to me. And I would like to see that be explored yeah. to be honest. Um all right, what else did I write? My biggest problem here is just the sensation of having the movie leave on its worst note. Mm. You walk away irritated. Frustrated is a bad emotion to leave your audience with. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if this was as intended or if this is a compromised ending. Maybe they wanted a sequel to pick up from exactly here. But I don't know. I doubt it. That just sounds like a like a weird stylistic choice. It's just a cool guy ending. Yeah, totally. You know, it's the same thing as like, you know, cut to black gunshot. Yeah. You're like, eh. Yeah. Ah. Right. It's like controversial. Right. So I wrote down, I've got some five-star reviews. I've got some, I've got some second <laughs> let's, opinions. Let's just do one. Oh, but Kristen, they're Just good. choose they're, the one. They're, they're short. There's one long and two short. <laughs> all One's right. really short. Um, all right. This is from Joe. Movie was shot on my street. Mm. This movie was partially shot on my street. My house and car are in several scenes. Not a lot of movies are shot in Louisville, Kentucky, and ever fewer shot on my street. The house they were <laughs> using is three houses from mine. Was fun watching a movie being shot. Never realized how many people are behind the camera. Nick Cage and Selma Blair did come over and do a meet and greet. Oh. It was like a big neighborhood party. The movie was okay. <laughs> Say three out of five. Okay. Was the experience five out of five? Five out of five stars on this review. <laughs> and within it, he says, yeah. The, three out of five. <laughs> three out of five. <laughs> it, he, he was he well, was reviewing the experience. No. 
The plot of the movie was interesting. Considering the subject matter, the movie was a lot less bloody than it could have been. Interesting psychological slash horror movie. Not one of Nick Cage's best performances. The director of this movie worked on one of Nick Nick's previous movies. The reason for five stars, my house was in the movie. <laughs> we know. Oh yeah, we know, Joe. Five stars. It's a three out of five movie. We got it. Five stars. Your house yeah. is in it. All right. This is uh, titled Turn... Turn down the TV, kids, dot, 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 LOL. <laughs> Funny That's movie. That's what's going to get you murdered. Yeah. Funny movie. Not really too gory, but has a good message for kids. Does it? <laughs> kind of what all of us parents think in the back of our minds. And they made a movie to give kids a heads up. What if? Oh, my God. Five stars. <laughs> and my last one here is from uh, good old George Botello. All reliable. Titled "Okay Movie." I wouldn't pay to see it. Remember, I that that was on um, House of a Thousand Corpses or something too, something where like they that. said like wouldn't pay to see it. Yep. And the body of the review: "Okay Movie." I wouldn't pay to see it. Same thing. Five stars. <laughs> That's awesome. And there you have it. Mom and dad. Oh man. Mom and dad and knowing. So that was a Nicolas Cage double dip. To take us on out of Cagetober. Oh, I feel Thank so Thank you for sticking with us. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed the show. And definitely go check out patreon.com slash pod if you would like to support the show and get some extras while you add it. We have a number of different tiers that go from you being able to get one bonus show a month all the way to getting four bonus shows a month or released on a weekly basis, we should say, because clearly some months have more Days of the week in them than you would think. Well, now we like know. this month with its five Fridays. Next October, we're gonna have to do substantially more planning. Oh yeah. But yeah, Kristen's hundred percent right. Uh, right now on Patreon.com/slash/gttupod, the latest exclusive episode. We brought back Ghost Adventures Adventures. Yeah. We did a new episode where Kristen and I watched an episode of the Zach Bagans Ghost Hunting Show ghost adventures mm-hmm. uh, they went to an old west cowboys saloon yes and it was a catastrophe <laughs> <laughs> of course it was so uh that is available for banshees and demons mm-hmm. so go get it patreon.com slash gttu pod super fun to, to and we're gonna do that again we're gonna bring yep. back some older formats that we've done before mm-hmm. only on patreon so dive into that and yeah. uh, thank you all so much for doing it yeah thank you you can also find more stuff at gttupod.com that's where you can find links to our private facebook group our merch store all of our episodes info on advertising and whatever else you can think of yeah and also this is the week of halloween yes that's if you're right. listening to this as it drops halloween comes in two days mm-hmm. time happy halloween happy halloween everybody um the scariest thing of all is that we ever did cagetober or for some of you that it's done right we've gotten a lot of positive feedback about cagetober yes. and thank you all for that as well. Mm-hmm. I will say I'm excited to do something different next oh, week yeah. though. I'm not oh, going to yeah. lie. So uh, thanks all for uh, checking out this episode and hanging out with us. Find us online if you'd like to talk to us. Yep. I'm at Chillin' Kristen. I'm at The Myth Traveler. We'll be back next week for something that Nicolas Cage has nothing to do with. Nope. But until that time comes, we must travel. Back to the netherworld go we. All right. It's going to be a while before I watch a Nicolas Cage movie. That's so funny. I was about to ask you, like, do you think you're going to hold off on watching a Nicolas Cage movie for a while?